Well, it's good to see y'all. It's been a while. Thank you for letting me have the break from the pulpit. I left it in very good, capable hands, that's for sure. Our first scripture lesson, or our second scripture lesson, comes from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Listen, my beloved, to the word of the Lord. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, got to stop right there. For this reason. What reason? As we engage the text, when we come to something like that in Scripture, we've got we to go back and find out what is Paul referring to. What is the what that he is referring to? So before verses 14 to 21 make any sense, we have to slide back in the Scripture to find out what he's talking about. And that's homework for us. But lucky for you, I did your homework. If you would slide your finger back to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, we hear the reason for Paul's exclamatory prayer. For in Ephesians 3, 7, and 8, Paul writes, Of this gospel of Christ, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me, given to me by the working of God's power. Although I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me in order to bring the Gentiles the news of the countless riches of Christ. Paul has been commissioned by God to take the very news of the, Christ, the Christ's gospel to people who were Gentile, people like you and me. Now with that in mind, understanding for this reason, now we can go back and hear the text. Picking up with verse 14, for this reason, because I've been privileged to take the news of Jesus to people, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit. All of those yous are plural, by the way. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the holy ones, all the saints, what is the breadth what is the length? What is the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. So that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
Now to Him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ever imagine, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people say, Amen. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now verses 20 and 21 are an outburst of praise to God because through Jesus Christ, a once exiled people, people like you and me, have been brought close, have been brought into an intimate relationship with Almighty God. Now, have we let that fully sink into our inner being? Have we really taken hold of the fact and understood the fact of the immeasurable love of God for us and in turn our love for one another? Do we really have any idea? When my girls were growing up, I would marvel at my love for them. Because of my wife Kelly's aggressive cancer treatment when she was 18, we were told after we got married that the probability of her being able to conceive was pretty much nigh impossible. The chemo drugs did too much. Well, the third year into our marriage began our journey of being parents. Surprise. All children are miracles, I will say, but to me, my two daughters... They are gifts from heaven that weren't supposed to be here. And as they grew up, I would often ask them, Lauren, Katie, do you really have any idea how much I love you? When they were younger, they just kind of look at me, huh? And then as they got older, they said, yes, Dad, we know. And then when they were in high school, they would say, Dad. For me personally, it took becoming a father to fully understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of what love is and means. That's what it took for me. I became aware of love's enormity, of love's intensity, of love's boundlessness that moves in me along, that moves me along in spiritual and relational growth with God and with you and others. The ability to love deeply creates this flywheel effect that gains momentum each time we express love to God and to others. The more we love, our desire to show love intensifies. It grows. It seeks new avenues to express itself. Do we really have any idea as to the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love 
for you and for me. I want you to pause and think about that a moment. How does the great I am, how does the great I am's love for you make a difference in your life today? How does the love of the great I am, how does that love affect you, church? You, Christ follower, today. How do our lives show that we are God's beloved? Do our lives even exhibit that we are God's beloved, apart from going to church once a week? Do we have any idea as to how much we are God's beloved? Really? I loved how Karen introduced our first scripture lesson this morning from 2 Samuel. This is not one that we would read during vacation Bible school. Our reading from 2 Samuel dramatically illustrates the breadth, length, width, height, and depth of God's love for His created. And this morning's first lection describing the turning point in David's Life where the wheels began to fall off his ministry, his power, his success, demonstrates the indescribable love of God. It was the springtime of the year when kings go out to war and begin their battle campaigns, except King David. He sent others out to fight his battles for him. While everyone else was on the battle lines, we find David napping on the roof. He gets up and he begins slipping into this voyeuristic tendency to spy on his neighbors when they weren't looking. He gawks at the beautiful Bathsheba as she bathed and David began to burn with lust. He sends for her and demands that she lie with him and violate her marriage vows. And within the next month, she sends word to the king, the rabbit died. I'm pregnant. Now, David didn't know what to do. He sends for Uriah, her husband, from the battle lines, says, I'm going to give you leave to come back and take a rest. And Uriah does. David thought, if I could get Uriah, her husband, to come home and be with Bathsheba, then maybe I could pull this off. If I could pull it off, then the baby will, people will think the baby's Uriah is not mine. Well, Uriah to be proved to be more honorable than David was. Uriah proved to be more open to the direction of God than the king, and he refused to do it. After all, all the other soldiers are there at the front, 
Even the ark of God didn't have a place to call home. Who was he, little old Uriah the Hittite, to have this kind of privilege? Well, David was not to be deterred. Next day, David gets desperate. And David gets Uriah loaded. He stuffs Uriah with savory food, gets him drunk. Surely, now, David could coerce him to pass out in his own bed. Even in his drunkenness, Uriah kept his honor. So now David the king, God's chosen, the composer and the singer of all these beautiful hymns, and the psalms that we say and that we sing He plots murder. He loops his friend Joab to help him pull it off too. And adding insult to injury, he has Uriah take his own death sentence to the general. The line moves back, Uriah is killed. Friends, David is an archetype for you and me. This, when people tell me that the Old Testament stories are boring, I kind of go, really? This story has everything in it. David has broken at least five of the Ten Commandments on the front, front end. He has committed the sins of sloth, lust, adultery, hubris, lying, showing deceit, plan the harm of another human being, and commits murder. By now, as readers of the story, we are shouting, as Karen said, David, don't do it. But then we realize we're shouting to ourselves as well. We all have our David moments. And if you're honest, If you're honest, you know what they are. David didn't. David wasn't honest. David went from being way up here to throwing himself way down there. And we, the thing is, we don't hear in our David story today what happens next in the narrative. We don't know what happens following this. So I will tell you. David is confronted by his actions. He confesses his sins and makes right with God. But his life was never the same. You see, there's a cost to and for sin. And there's a cost to and for our relationship with God and with the Bathshebas and the Uriahs of our lives when we sin and break relationship with God and neighbor. And David, like the Apostle Paul, looks at you and me and says, do you really have any idea how much you are the beloved of God? 
Ironically, it's only through David's gross sin and restoration that David learned the answer to that question. The answer to his question is no, we really have no idea how much we are loved by God, what God will do for us, how patient God will be with us. It's only after David figured out this answer about the depth of God's love and forgiveness for him that David was able to compose a beautiful hymn that we know as Psalm 103 where he writes and sings, He will not, God will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. Isn't this what Paul is talking about in Ephesians? As he prays for the Ephesian church? Paul wants them to know and experience the immeasurable depth and length, the height, unfathomable depth, and swim in that beautiful love of God in Christ. Paul later describes it to the church in Rome this way. He says, For I am convinced that neither life nor death, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you? Do I? Do we really have any idea how much God loves us through Christ? Have you, have I, ever stopped to think about the profundity of that question? To contemplate that question? Now, for those of you who are self-sure and asking, well, preacher, so what? I know God loves me. Let me simply say this. Beloved, the so what makes a difference in your Christian life this very day. If we take God's love for granted, if we treat God's love for us lightly, then we end up treating our relationship with God and our relationship with each other lightly as well. But, if we contemplate and reflect on the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love for us, then that love regenerates itself through us exponentially and we become the phalanx of the kingdom of God right here. Right now. Do you really have any idea how much God loves you?
Let's chew on that today for our homework. If David can be forgiven, so can we. All of God's people said, pray with me. Holy Spirit, as we gather this beautiful day, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we can look at the giants of Scripture and of our history biblical history and see that they too are human and they too have fallen and fallen short. That's why Jesus came. Lord, help us to search those places where we have fallen, but also give us the grace to remind us that like David, like Paul, nothing and separate us from the love of God through Jesus. For we offer this prayer in his precious name. Amen.